Thank you for downloading or podcasting this track. This recording has been remastered to provide the best sound possible given the audio environment of the original recording session. Mosaic Silver Spring is a faith community located just inside the Capitol Beltway in Montgomery County. For more information, please visit our website, www.mosaicsilverspring.org, and we'll see you in the neighborhood. All right, so I'll be reading from Proverbs 6, Proverbs 10, and Proverbs 18. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. Then from Proverbs 10, when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is of little worth. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of sense. And then from Proverbs 18. From the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. This is the word of the Lord. Please pray, pray with me. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would um, work in our hearts this morning, that you would teach us what true wisdom is. We pray that you would be with Dan, that you would would guide him, that you would help him teach us. Um, it's in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks so much, Seth. I think you could say this about a lot of things, but one thing that I've come across is the saying, uh, reading about wilderness survival is much easier than actually trying to survive in the wilderness. Reading about wilderness survival, I'm going to say it one more time, uh, is much easier than actually trying to survive in the wilderness. Uh, That is what Jim Baird, who is a survival expert, Uh, is getting at in an article that he wrote back in 2020 as he tries to debunk four common survival myths. Uh, With a plethora of wilderness survival shows, whether it's Alone, whether it's, uh, yeah, insert blank, man vs. wild, fill in the blank, with all of those shows coming around, with all of the accessibilities of tools, tutorials, and survival guides and books to read, uh, with that comes more people interested in developing survival skills. And before people get too confident, uh, Baird, Jim Baird, is offering four points of advice or wisdom to make sure that people don't do anything reckless. That is because <clears throat> if you know, even if you know what berries and shrubs you're, that you can eat, uh, <clears throat> if that's all you eat, you'll actually get sick and starve because there's no calories in them. You might know how to start a fire without any tools, But when you've been out in the cold and you're hungry, uh, it might not actually be that easy to set up. You might know how to fish and to set up traps, but that does not mean you'll catch enough food right away. And so as he debunks these myths, the bottom line he gives in the article is that even though you may know these skills in theory, 
Even though you have practiced these skills at home, in a real survival situation, there are uncontrollable realities that make these situations exponentially more difficult. Sure, it might be easy to set up a shelter in your backyard, but what happens when you have no safety net that you can run back to when it rains? I bring that up because it's a very helpful article and that, that brings a comparison to the idea of speaking, speech ethics. Because just as the survival expert Jim Baird warns you about the harsh realities of, the wild, of wilderness survival, uh, the author of Proverbs is warning its readers about the difficult reality of our words and the impact they carry. We might know in theory that screaming and shouting bad words at another person that's wrong. We may practice holding our tongue, and we might actually be pretty good at it when the person you're speaking to is very polite and cordial. But what happens when you meet someone that just gets under your skin and does not relent? The author uh, James, as he writes in his letter, says, Taming the tongue is easy to read about and harder to do when faced with the uncontrollable realities of life that make it much more difficult in practice. And so as we look through these Proverbs, we'll unpack uh, how can we grow and how we use our words through three points. One, the source of words. Two, the source of life. And three, the source of blessing. Again, source of words, source of life, and source of blessing. When we open up to the first of our selected passages, the author of Proverbs frames up what the Lord hates. If wisdom is essentially following how God calls us to live, here is what we see is evil in the eyes of God. And it's not exhaustive. It's not saying everything as if that's all that's in the pages is all that matters. He is actually giving a full-orbed framework of what walking against the will of God looks like. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Here, as he uses this formula, six things, and there's a seventh, it's telling us to slow down and pay attention. As he continues to list what these seven things are, he gives us, from head to toe, seven evils. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, and feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. As he gives this full-orbed picture of what turning away from God looks like, we see that the words that we speak, what we breathe out of our mouths, matter. And throughout the Proverbs, as we see in the later sections, we see this contrast that happens a lot, not just in these passages, but in, all, uh, in other passages where it speaks about our words. There is this contrast of those who use many words versus those who restrains their lips. But I do want to first acknowledge that the issue of speech is not a personality trait, as if uh, it's holier to be quieter or more reserved, or if it's more sinful to speak, or if you like to talk and have conversation. That is not what the author of Proverbs is getting at. 
Even more so, it's not just about behavior control. Yes, we are supposed to restrain our lips, but why? What is going on underneath? We are not just here to avoid certain words or phrases. So I want to highlight two things that the author of Proverbs is getting at. If it's not personality trait, if it's not behavior control, then it is first and foremost an issue of the impact of your words. Look, as he says in chapter 10, verse 9, when words are many, transgressions is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. It is recognizing that words carry a weight to them, and it affects other people. You can't control Z, the effects of what you say to someone. Even if you have a heartfelt, genuine apology, it doesn't change the fact that someone is hurt by the words you have spoken. He says later in Proverbs 18, uh, another way of putting it, both death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Most obviously, we can see impact when we say these harsh words to cut down and hurt others. Maybe the opposite side of the coin is when you give the cold shoulder and refuse to engage and refuse to speak to another person. That brings, off, that brings up death into the relationship. Death may come through the power of your tongue, through deceit or breathing out lies, as he says in chapter 6. Even if these lies do not hurt others, it is destructive to our own soul. We can also breathe out death through desensitization, where your heart is hardened and think that evil is not so bad in comparison. I've heard worse. I've said worse before. At least I didn't go that far this time. And all the while, as we are desensitized to the reality of the impact of our words, it pulls us away from what the Lord loves and leads you towards death. But to get to the source of our words, we need to dig a little deeper than just the impact it gives. Uh, in a certain strand of biblical counseling, there is a, uh, there is a popular metaphor that is used. Uh, imagine you have a cup on the table and you knock over the cup. Why is there water on the floor? Why is there water on the floor? Most of you here might be thinking, because you knocked it over. Duh. Like, if you didn't knock over the cup, then of course nothing would spill out. Sure, in theory, if you don't knock the cup over, things will be fine. But the reality is we don't live in a theoretical world. There are outside forces not in our control that knock, in a sense, our spiritual cup. And what overflows from that cup is what comes from our heart. Why is there water on the floor? Because there was water in the cup. Why are the words that we say harsh and mean and destructive to one another? Because there's something within our heart, whether hurt, or sin, or a mix of both, that spill out when these situations arise. 
This is related to impact because there is a connection between our heart and our mouths. Notice how the author of Proverbs in chapter 10, verse 20, interchanges the two. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, but the heart of the wicked is of little worth. Basically, the bottom line is whatever comes out of the mouth is a reflection of what is already found within your heart. Jesus echoes this in Luke 6, where he says, out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth speaks. So as we wrestle with the topic of our words, there is a reality that more than just what we say and how we say it, we need to do business with what, where it is coming from. And while there are many different ways that our words can bring about this destruction and death, I do want to highlight two gray areas that might be difficult to navigate uh, here and now. One gray area in our lives is the balance of being genuine while not saying things at the expense of others. There is a way in that when you say, in the name of being honest, you have hurt someone or said hurtful words. Maybe someone has said something to you in the name of being honest. Maybe in the name of being genuine or honest, you use that as a license to be unfiltered and insensitive, saying crass things to one another. Sure, it is a good thing to want to be heard and known as you truly are, especially in an age where everything is curated to present the ideal self. Of course, it is good to want to be real, yet true wisdom calls us to, to, to discern when and how much in a way to be real in a way that loves our neighbor as well. So that our pursuit of being honest and genuine does not come at the expense of everyone around us. One more gray area is not just how we use our words, but also how we consume our words. Yes, the Bible speaks about how it is our heart that drives our mouth, but at the same time, what we listen to, what we read, what we hear can also impact our hearts. Uh, Sarah T. Roberts is a professor who specializes in content moderation, and in an interview she did with The New Yorker, uh, she recounted how content moderators, those who review forums or social media platforms, often burned out or quit and took new jobs that had the least amount of human interaction possible. Because for them, even though they came in with the very good intent of, I am looking through this to make sure no one else sees it. Even if you go in with a conscious effort to do good, we are not impervious to the impacts that people's words have on you. I know that that is an extreme case of consumption, but I bring that up because even if you're watching or reading uh, or listening to what is out there with the good intentions, even if you're consciously being mindful, repeated exposure will eventually wear away at you. It desensitizes us. Wisdom calls us to not just be concerned with how we use our words, but also how we consume the words of others. 
the lyrics we listen to, the comments we read through, because in these things also are the power of life and death. Because these words are impactful, because our words are impactful, we need to deal with our words first by dealing with our heart. There is this one popular trend online where directors, uh, directors of movies, uh, go beat by beat through a particular scene. And as they go through each moment of this one scene, they often share fun quirks from behind the scenes. But in addition to that, they also talk about how each moment is crafted uh, through the wardrobe choices, through the position of characters, how they move left to right on the screen, so that when you watch the scene with her or him again, or if you rewatch their movie once again, you slow down and realize, wow, they put so much thought into how this played out to create this reality for you as you get immersed in this scene. I think that's important for us, uh, especially as the author of Proverbs first turns us, sets the stage uh, of focusing on the Lord, the director of all of history. You see, uh, the Lord... As he frames us up in verse 616, he is the one who calls the shots. So yes, we should be mindful that wisdom is following in what the Lord loves and turning away from what the Lord hates because as the director of history, he is the one who spoke creation into existence and declared it good. He is the one who breathed life into dust to create humanity in his image. And so as we center ourselves around the Lord, the source of life, it is important because even though our first parents sinned and became the abomination that the Lord hates, he offered words of grace and a promise of redemption. He prophesied, spoke of words uh, spoke words of a coming day when our hardened, desensitized hearts of stone will be made flesh again as he breathes his spirit into us. And as his word became flesh, Jesus entered into this world. And as he lived with us, lived among us, he spoke comfort to the weary and brokenhearted. He was patiently correcting those who were misguided and as Jesus uttered his last words, it is finished on the cross and breathed a last breath. He undid the realities of evil, of sin and death, and offers forgiveness. This Jesus, who was not defeated by death, but instead three days rose again, he breathed once again. And as he encountered his disciples, as it says in John 20, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And by this great movement of history, as God the director orchestrated his plan of redemption from the beginning, he has shown that his words and his promises are true and have power to give life, life eternal, where we can feast on the fruits of it forever. Where we can find comfort in our weariness. 
where we can find correction and hope to change the way that we speak so that we can be a source of blessing to those around us. So that we can be a source of blessing to those around us. And while it might be easy to think of, okay, what are the to-do lists that I can do? What are the nice words that I can say, the words of encouragement I could bring? Uh, First, I want us to slow down and reflect on how God works into our hearts, how he gives us his spirit by faith, so that first and foremost, we have the ability to change. For those of you who struggle with anger and uh, outbursts, you have the ability to change. You are not stuck in your ways. You are heard, those of you who want to be heard, known. You are loved by God. You are free to not speak as you will, but to restrain and instead empathize and listen to others. That is possible for you by the power of the Spirit and how God works in this world through His Spirit and through the community He gives. We have power and freedom to recognize what God declares good and to treasure it, and to pursue it, and to study it. Does this mean that we are able to do all these things perfectly? Most likely not. But by the grace of God, this possibility of change is not just a mere possibility, but it will be an actuality when he returns. And that is the hope that we have this morning. Let me pray. Heavenly Father God, we thank you that, God, you have spoken words of grace and forgiveness and new life to us. We thank you, God, that you are undoing the death that comes through our words, the death that is in this world, and you are bringing life eternal. God, I pray that as we reflect on how you have spoken life to us, how you have given us freedom and forgiveness, I pray that that can challenge us to not just change our behaviors, not just to feel bad and try to do better, but to find freedom and rest in the forgiveness we have in your Son, in whose name we pray. Amen.